Hello, everybody. My name is Chad, founder of ConformToJesus.com, where the mission and goal is to share the gospel and strengthen our faith through Bible commentary, devotionals, theology, and poetry for the glory of God. To read my articles, you can visit my website at ConformToJesus.com. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. In today's episode, we're in Romans chapter 2. We're doing the commentary of scripture using the World English Bible, which is one of the few public domain 21st century English translations, and it is freely distributed to the public. Let us begin in chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, you are without excuse, O man, whoever you are, who you judge. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. We know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. The Apostle Paul is reiterating what Jesus told his disciples about passing judgment on someone else. First, you need to realize that for in the same way you judge others, you too will also be judged. And with the same measure of use, it will be measured against you too, Matthew 7, 2. Therefore, to avoid hypocrisy, first take the log out of your own eye so you can see well enough to take the speck from another believer's eyes. And as believers, it's vital to grow in our Christian walk so that we're able to help others who are entangled by sin. This doesn't mean we will reach perfection or entire sanctification, but there should be a level of maturity to aim for. Otherwise, how are we able to give sound counsel and advice? Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people fall, but in an abundance of counselors there is safety. For these reasons, let's strive to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our own lives so we can be effective in communicating and equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Let's read Romans chapter 2, verses 3-4. through four. Do you think this, O man, who judges those who practice such things and do the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and patience, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? All of us will stand before the throne of God to give an account of our lives, whether good or bad, 2 Corinthians 5.10. There is no escaping this day because the omnipresent Lord has preordained it. The good news is that God is patient with creation. 2 Peter 3.9 says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance and faith. His kindness and grace is what leads believers to repentance. Moreover, God has given us his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Let's read Romans chapter 2, verses 5-9. through nine. But according to your hardness and unrepentant heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath, revelation and of the righteous judgment of God, who will pay back to everyone according to their works. To those who by perseverance and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and incorruptibility, eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, will be wrath, indignation, oppression, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. In Romans 1, we learn that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of man. A stubborn and unrepentant heart will surely be met with strict judgment from God. For an unbeliever, this is a terrible day. Revelation 6.16 reveals this dreadful experience for unbelievers who ask the rocks to fall on them because they are afraid to stand before the throne of God in the wrath of the Lamb. 
If you are unrepentant now, I implore you, be reconciled to God. Now God will repay each person according to what they have done. For those who seek glory, honor, and immortality by trusting in Jesus to wipe away their sins, they will be given eternal life. Believers will be clothed with the imperishable robe of Christ and put on immortality. And this is the glorious news for those who have been born again by the Spirit of God. However, for those who are self-focused, reject the truth of God, and enjoy lawlessness, the wrath, anger of God is pointed towards them. Unfortunately, many choose this broad way that leads to destruction rather than the narrow way that leads to life, according to Matthew 7.13. Just think about Noah's flood. People were mocking him and not heeding to the warning of a potential flood. And just as it was, like in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns. And that's why it's vital for Christians to urge the world to repent now and accept the free gift of eternal life before it's too late. Romans chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. But glory, honor, and peace go to every man who does good, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Scripture mentions here that the Jews will be accountable first before the Gentiles, whether they do good by honoring the Lord or whether they disobey His righteousness. As stated in Romans 1, God does not show preference preference or favoritism from one ethnic group over the other. For scripture makes it very clear in Galatians 3:28 that all people are equal in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And consequently, all of us will have to give an account for our actions. Let's read Romans chapter 2 verses 12 through 13. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. As many as have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it isn't the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. The law convicts us all as guilty, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.19 further adds, Now we know that whatever the law says... It says to those who are cursed under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Consequently, the purpose of the law is to lead us to confession of our wrongdoing and crime against the Lord, so that we can seek reconciliation in the forgiveness found from Christ. Paul further articulates that it's not those who hear the law that are righteous in God's sight. As James 2.24 expresses, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Therefore, God requires repentance not only to be a change of mind or intellectual assent to the gospel, for even the demons believe and they yet tremble. Rather, those who hear God's righteous statutes and choose to obey through action are considered righteous in God's sight. Their works have demonstrated saving faith. This does not mean salvation is through works. We are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2 and 8 through 9. And as noted before, all have sinned and fall short of God's perfect standards. And therefore we stand guilty before God. And nevertheless, the Son of God, who knew no sin, became sin for us, so that we might receive the righteousness of God. And this imputation stirs in us a faith that leads to action and obedience. Let us read Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. For when Gentiles who don't have the law do by nature the things of the law, these, not having the law, are a law to themselves, 
and that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience testifying with them and their thoughts among themselves, accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men, according to my good news by Jesus Christ. This passage declares that God's law is intuitive or innate for both Jews and Gentiles. In Romans 1, Paul argues that God's invisible attributes are clearly seen through nature so that skeptics are without excuse. And here the author goes even further, stating that not only does the created order reveal the majesty of God, but even our conscience knows the law, for it is written on our hearts. This is even before the Gentiles were introduced to the law through Christ. Moreover, this passage is an indictment for all of creation, for our consciences bear witness and even accuse us of disobedience to the Lord. For example, unbelievers suppress the truth and unrighteousness because they love darkness more than light. However, on the day of judgment, they will no longer be able to suppress this truth because God will judge the hearts of men through Jesus Christ. And this sober reality should beckon all of us to live holy and upright for the advancement of God's kingdom here on earth. Let us read Romans chapter 2 verses 17 through 24. Indeed, you bear the name of a Jew, rest on the law, glory in God, know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide of the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of babies, having in the law the form of knowledge and of truth. You, therefore, who teach another, don't you teach yourself? You who preach that a man shouldn't steal, do you steal? You who say that a woman shouldn't commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who glory in the law, do you dishonor God by disobeying the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The Apostle Paul sternly warned the Jews not to be hypocrites. He had the authority to make this indictment, considering that he himself was a Jew. He stated in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 through 6, that he can boast of his Jewishness. He was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee who zealously persecuted the church and eagerly followed the law of God. Therefore, Paul reiterates that when the natural branches, that's God's chosen people, opposed and insulted him for sharing the prophetic fulfillment of the Messiah in Christ, he shook out his garments and told them that from now on, according to Acts 8, verse 6, 18, verse 6, he will go to the Gentiles. This is because they refused to believe in Jesus and trust in him for redemption. He wanted them to know he was not to be at fault for them refusing to believe in the gospel. Thankfully, there is a prophecy at the end of the age in Romans 11:26 where all Israel will be saved. I believe there will be a huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the final days on the Jewish people scattered throughout the world. This will be one of the signs of the end times before Jesus returns to set up his heavenly kingdom. I believe Messianic Judaism has a special task of bridging that gap between the Evangelicals and the Orthodox Jews concerning the Messiah. Let us now read Romans chapter 2 verses 25 through 27. 
For circumcision indeed profits if you are a doer of the law, but if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. If therefore the uncircumcised keep the ordinances of the law, won't his uncircumcision be accounted as circumcision? Won't the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfills the law, judge you who with the letter of circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outworldly, outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So the Apostle Paul is attempting to get at the heart of the matter. He is addressing this notion of inward conversion being of greater value than outward signs. For instance, circumcision and keeping the law externally shows your commitment to Yahweh. However, if you are inwardly rebellious towards the law by not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then the outward sign is only to please man, not to please God. Otherwise, you would be devoted to God when no one else is observing. And this is uh, what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. He told them not to be like the Pharisees, who enjoyed praying in the public so others could see how holy and righteous they were. Rather, Jesus says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This idea is what scripture is trying to get across in Romans chapter 2. And finally, the nation of Israel mark themselves as followers of God by being circumcised, unlike the pagan nations around them. And according to the Torah, they were being obedient to the commands of God. This was a good thing. However, it also caused some observant Jews to focus too much on the external rather than the internal obedience that ultimately mattered to God. For instance, in Hosea 6.6, Almighty God said, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. The prophets in the Old Testament were warning the Jewish nations that God cared more about what was going on in their hearts than going through rituals and burnt offerings just because they had to. The Apostle Paul concludes in Romans 2 with stating that a Jew is not is one inwardly and circumcision is of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. And consequently, a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. It's not to show people around how devoted or religious you can be. God looks inside and knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In our next podcast, we will go through commentary of Romans chapter 3. Thank you so much for listening to this uh, podcast. I look forward to the next episode. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.